tongue the furnace, you punctured earnests. Welcome to the Blind Boy Podcast. Before I continue, I'd like to remind you all that it is Science Week right now. It's Science Week on the 13th to the 20th of November. Two weeks ago, I spoke to the quantum physicist Seamus Davis about quantum physics and about Irish mythology. We had a wonderful cross-disciplinary chat where Seamus tried to democratise quantum physics for me through a shared understanding of and love of mythology and art. If you'd like to hear that, just go to my podcast from two weeks ago. And I put that out to raise awareness for Science Week. And now I'm telling you, it is Science Week right now. And there's loads of magnificent talks and events and seminars up and down the country this week, which I urge you to go and see if you're interested in science and if you want to find out about those events go to sfi.ie um i want to thank all of ye who listen to this podcast for the feedback from last week's podcast i spoke about issues i'm facing around emotional resilience but i received so much wonderful kind loving messages of support and just an outpouring of humanity from so many listeners and I tried to respond to as many as I possibly could. But genuinely, the sheer human authenticity of some of the messages I received acted as quite a healing tonic to counteract some of the negativity that I spoke about last week. But thank you very much. So at the end of last week's podcast, I mentioned that I was going to have an incredibly special guest on this week's podcast but I wasn't sure whether it was going to happen or not. Just before I put out last week's episode, I was contacted by the office of the President of Ireland, Michael D. Higgins, and the message basically was, the President listens to your podcast and would like to come on and speak to you as a guest. So of course I said yes, but I also couldn't believe it because I'm like, did I just get a fucking mail that the President of Ireland wants to come on my podcast? for a chat so I did so yesterday I went up to Aris on Oakdoran which is the house that the President of Ireland lives in which is a beautiful magnificent building and two interesting facts about Aris on Oakdoran number one it was almost built in Limerick it was almost built in Limerick which would have been hilarious and also the architecture of Aris and Uchtaran was most likely the inspiration for the White House in America. Aris and Uchtaran is designed in a neoclassical style, which means it's an architectural callback to the classical styles of Rome, which itself was a callback to the classical styles of Greece. But you know by the columns, the columns outside the Aris and Uchtaran, very clearly neoclassical. But the architect of the White House in America was a chap called James Hoban, who was born in Ireland. But that's why people speculate that Aris on Uchtaran in Ireland inspired the design of the White House in America. But anyway, I went up and I got to sit down and have a chat with the President of Ireland, Michael D. Higgins, who is an absolutely lovely man who was born in Limerick himself. And what the president wanted to speak with me about specifically 
is an initiative that he has been doing called Machnav 100, which is a series of historical seminars that reflect and contemplate and meditate the past 100 years since the War of Independence that liberated 26 counties of Ireland from British rule. And Machnav 100 is a project that President Higgins is so proud of and took took such a direct role in putting together that he wanted to chat about this. Now there's six seminars in total. They've been going since 2020. You can find out about them on the president's website, president.ie. They're all on YouTube. And what they are are seminars that are led by President Higgins and then they contain input from leading scholars from different backgrounds with loads of different perspectives and they share their insights and thoughts on the context and events of the formative period of a century ago and on the nature of commemoration itself. And the final Machnav 100 seminar is going out this Thursday, the 17th of November, and the title of it is Memory, History and Imagination. And as well as like a keynote from the President, you have input from Professor Declan Kybird, Professor Angela Burke, Lelia Doolan, Fergal Keane and it's a way to democratise and to think about history and that's on the RTE player if you want to watch it it'll be on the RTE player this Thursday the 17th of November Now, before I get into the chat with Michael D Higgins I announced this on Instagram like a day before I went up because I wanted to get questions from People who listen to this podcast, I wanted to get questions from as many people as possible if I was going to sit down with, with the president. Now, I got about a thousand questions and I picked as many as I could. We spoke for just over an hour. I couldn't ask all the questions I would have liked and then expected the rigorous, thoughtful responses that those questions demanded within the time frame. I could have easily sat down with the president and had another 10 chats because he's a fascinating man. So there's a number of important social issues that just I couldn't get covered. But what we did get to cover was we chatted about reflection and contemplation of history and viewing history from multiple angles rather than one single narrative. The little goal that I had was to bring the conversation as much as possible to the now to the issues that are facing Irish people today. So we spoke about the philosophy of the home and housing within the Irish psyche and how the concept of home is related to our sense of self and our sense of connection and emotional well-being. And I got to chat quite autobiographically with the president because he's 81 years of age. He's had a massive, incredibly interesting life. And then I then have in my awareness, which is mad, when you get to sit down with the president and have a chat, like a human conversation, you're creating a historical document. And I really wanted to use the opportunity to do that, to try and have a conversation that was as human as possible. That, yes, I'm speaking to the president of Ireland, but I'm also speaking to a man called Michael from Limerick. And those opportunities are rare within the, the solemnity of 
having any opportunity to speak to a dignitary. So with that in mind, I really don't want to interrupt the chat that I have. I want to let it play through. So I'm going to get the ocarina pause out of the way early. So I'm now going to play a Spanish clay whistle for a couple of seconds. So I don't startle you because an algorithmically generated, digitally inserted advert is going to play right now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, this is an advertisement for better help. I have frequently attended therapy for the past 20 years when I experience anxiety or depression or when I have difficulty naming and labelling my emotions, identifying my emotions. I often seek the help of a professional therapist to improve my emotional literacy. I've attended therapy in person and I've attended therapy online. If online therapy is something you might be interested in, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, it's convenient, flexible, and it's suited to your schedule. All you gotta do is fill out a brief questionnaire, and you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So give it a go. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash blindby today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash blindby. You would have heard an advert there, I don't know what for. Um, Support for this podcast comes from you, the listener, via the Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash the blind by podcast. This is a listener funded podcast. This is my full time job. This is how I earn a living. If this podcast brings you joy, solace, distraction, entertainment, whatever it does for you, if you're enjoying it, please consider paying me for the work that I'm doing. All I'm looking for is the price of a pint or a cup of coffee once a month. That's it. But if you can't afford that, if you don't have that, don't worry about it. You can listen to the podcast for free. Because the patrons are paying for you to listen for free. So everybody gets a podcast and I get to earn a living. It's a wonderful model based on kindness and soundness. Patreon.com forward slash the blind by podcast. Also, it keeps this podcast independent. I'm not beholden to any advertiser. No advertiser can tell me what to do or dictate the content in any way. Also, I'm gigging in Brussels this Thursday. If you've any interest in coming along to that, a couple of tickets left. No, fucking Friday, man. I'm gigging in Brussels on Friday. Um, Come to that if you want. Look, look it up on the internet. So without further ado, 
here is my interview with the magnificent President Michael D. Higgins. And if you're wondering, yes, I did wear my plastic bag on my head. You can hear it crinkling over the microphone. I'd like to open with, uh, first off, thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to chat with you. Um, I've been an admirer for a long time. You've been president for most of my lifetime. Um, And it's just been wonderful to to have someone who reflects kind of my ideals, my ideals of, of, of social justice and compassion and artistry. And it gives me great hope seeing someone like you being the president. Well, thank you. That's a very fine compliment. That is so much appreciated from your good self and all knowing all the issues in which you were involved. It's great that you've made, you've had such a great success. It's, I mean, it's wonderful to be, like I, I started it out of my bedroom and now I've got, I just celebrated 50 million listens around the world, you know, which I can't believe. And what podcasting, what it allows me to do is to have this space for curiosity. Yeah. And t- to be honest, it's, I'm funded by my by patrons, so the people who listen to my podcast fund it. And that funding allows me complete and utter creative freedom. And I'm not beholden to any advertisers or anything like that. So it's it's almost like the perfect model of, of state broadcasting. Because I believe with state broadcasting and public service, and public service broadcasting, it, it, you need to provide money for people to fail, not necessarily to succeed. Because you'll know as an artist, you got to fail. If you can't fail, you'll never succeed. And if you're forced to succeed, you have mediocrity. Um, so about this initiative, MACNAV 100. Yeah. It, like, the word MACNAV, as I understand it, it, it's one of these Irish words that doesn't have like an exact definition. It, it can mean meditation, it can mean reflection. Yes. Like, what, what is the intention of the MACNAV sen- seminars well, for yourself? MACNAV... Uh, when we when, when I picked that concept to put as a title, mm-hmm. as it were, you are entirely right. It is a word that can mean reflection, thought, smoinchu. It's more than smoinchu because it's not just superficial thought. It's actually a, an idea of thinking that goes deep and maybe returning to something that you had an opinion of and you're going back to it and revising it. Markner was able to do that. Mm-hmm. So I gave it as the title to six seminars that I would mm-hmm. run over a period of two years. Yeah. Um, so w- one thing I'd like to speak about in, in, your, in your keynote, which really struck out for me as you spoke about your own father who served in the IRA in the 2nd Cork Brigade and how he applied for his pension during this uh, after the civil war but then your uncle who would have been on the opposite yeah. side in the civil war so so your dad was interned and had difficulty applying for a pension and then your uncle was serving in the irish army and i found that fascinating well i i can tell you it it, it is fascinating when you look at it from a distance but the truth is it was quite painful for me mm-hmm. as a, a youngster and and you have it right. Uh, my family, uh, bo- on both sides, both my mother's side but, but and my father's side in particular, were all involved in the War of Independence. 
they started out, my father was from a family of 10. He was the youngest mm-hmm. in a family of 10. And he went away to train as an apprentice to bar and grocery. But he, he, very early on, he joined the volunteers and he was in the East Clare Brigade. Mm-hmm. And that is where his brother Peter was as well. My mother my <coughs> was over in Cork, in Lescarra, County Cork. But it's in County Clare that was where my family was. It was an interesting uh, fa- background in a way because my father's family I said that in turn his father and mother mother, there had been seven of them and five of them ended up in Australia Mm -hmm. in 1852 my grandfather's brother was a ploughman and he went to Australia with his sister Mm -hmm. and by 1860 just over a decade after the famine there were were five of the seven uh, were in, in in Australia and the man who remained at home that's my grandfather and that uh, he died just after my uh, f- father was born he had the mm-hmm. youngest of 10 and then i think that they must have got assistance from the australian relatives because my father had two years of schooling beyond mm-hmm. the national school and that enabled him then and uh, he was a, a, an apprentice at first in Innes and then in Brian Greens in Limerick. Mm-hmm. And then after Limerick, he went on to Benchies in Charleville, where he, and he, I think old Mr. Benchie was a nationalist because mm-hmm. my father was. <coughs> Hired as the the traveller, as it were, and he had a, a good salary of £130 a year and £50 travelling. Mm-hmm. But then what happened is is that during the civil war that followed the, the national war, uh, Mr. Binchy died and I think mm-hmm. he, his son succeeded him mm-hmm. and his son did not have the same views. So that's why you'll see in, in which those references I have made and they're in my, my father's later applications for a pension to say that uh, the the trades, as they were called at the time, mm-hmm. went on a delegation to the young man and asked him to take my father back, and he refused. So my father, no one, and my father writes at that particular time, is there in his application, very few people would hire an interne, and wow. he also wasn't very. And how long was he interned for? He was from the 15th of February 1923 until the 21st of December 1923. I think his mother died then in January of 2024. Now, he's not able to get any job for a year and then he goes back to Newbridge in Kildare and he gets a job, £50 a year live-in. And mm-hmm. it was one of the most moving things in my life when, when I was in the in the dole and that I got a, a photograph one day from and an old woman she had asked her son to leave it in for me and it was a photograph of Nolan's shop in Newbridge and she had an X on a window she said this was your father's room now yeah. I haven't I've it was of the nature of things I have to tell you that uh, I haven't ever really been able to pin down. And, and much of the detail, but I do know this is where you, this is you know, something that you, why I was interested in talking to yourself as well and knowing your interest in this. I'm interested in in history belonging 
to everybody. Mm -hmm. And the only way, in fact, we can, there isn't a a fixed version of history. Mm -hmm. The only way we can do it is by continually taking advantage of the new research, the new material we have. Mm -hmm. And what I uh, am in favour of is putting all the different pieces of facts on the table as a kind of mosaic. And let people then, in fact, be open to revise uh, and be open to change as new information com- uh, comes into being. That's an interesting way of looking at it. So, uh, uh, like, that's why we call it Machnov. That's why I'm saying is that I'm encouraging. It's not linear. It's not a linear. It's, it's not linear. It's like it's, being in a gallery of history, and you are the you get to walk around and observe yes. many pieces. Yes, and other things will st- different things will strike you. I also uh, call it, you know, from very much your own kind of work now would be. This. I said there isn't uh, you just don't memorize a fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are waves of memory because mm-hmm. you will remember it differently another time and so forth. So. What you do is you, you're accurate and truthful as to events. And for months, people, the one thing that's not available, I keep it saying to people that is of no help, is to try and say you can have an amnesia and draw a curtain across the past and move on. Mm-hmm. Because I think it's much better to transact what is unpleasant and to transact what is painful and to do it that way. And we've, that's what we've been doing. So we, I began actually in December two years ago with the first seminar. And the first seminar was all about that. It was about the concepts around the thing, about memory, for, memory forgetting, uh, about forgiveness. And mm-hmm. I use this, what is involved in that, about how you do all the, I feel like that, the mind work on it. And then I'm done to look at, is that trying to see the events that took place. You know, you'll have a representation of a particular event. But I said that what's it, one thing that you must respect in the whole thing is that history is complex and that an event is taking place in a context. Mm-hmm. And like I say, the Irish War of Independence was mm-hmm. taking place at a time when the British Empire was after a victory, but at the same time was in danger of breaking. Mm-hmm. So you have people who are looking, for example, about the events of the period 1916, you'd have them saying, well, for, for many, it was an emancipatory event, but for others, it was a breaking the link with empire and so on. Yeah. So I tried to put it all in. So when I became president, one of the things I did was about the War of Independence, really. Mm-hmm. And I gave a number of speeches and they're now all available at my website and that. So then I moved on, if you like, to the period that includes the civil war uh, and that includes the establishment of the state. So <clears throat> as we moved on then, to the third and the fourth and some of that, I began to look at it. it is, there are, uh, everything that I'm saying to you now is influenced by one fundamental fact that people don't uh, give it enough attention to maybe. And that is that Ireland emptied itself of people. Mm-hmm. In a hundred years, eight million people left Ireland. Mm-hmm. And in 1901, in the census, the majority of the people who were born on the island of Ireland are living abroad. Mm-hmm. And majority, it's about 52, 48 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what happened after in the early days of the Irish state then is one, and you, you have to say, some people adjusted very well. And the history very often is a history of constitutions and a history of who was in parliament and who, and so on. But 
what is very necessary, I've been trying to, to, to point out, is what were the people experiencing and what were the people feeling? And you had a flu in 1918, yeah. when tens of thousands died. You equally had the, the World War, which had come to an end in 1418. You had people who'd come home from the war injured and mm-hmm. they weren't very well. You had 1916, then you had... Uh, we uh, had twelve thousand people who had been imprisoned uh, uh, to, during the during the civil war, so it isn't a case of feeling about giving the best possible version uh, of, of the events. It's about trying to see the full complexity of the events. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, there's no doubt, whatever Ireland was changing. Mm-hmm. Uh, people had the tenants of the ni- late nineteenth century had become owners. Mm-hmm. They were many of them. So here's what were you to do then? Uh, what had happened? The agricultural labourers, many of them had emigrated. Yeah, and, uh, and in case of places like Limerick and Waterford and so on, there had been strikes uh, by, by agricultural labourers who were opposed by nationalists. Mm-hmm. And if you like, the graziers, who were now the people who got the most of the land after the departure of the landlords in parts of the west of Ireland, they would be able to recruit uh, people with a nationalist tendency to face down the labourers. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were uh, 140,000 uh, agricultural labourers in the, the big union, the transport union. You had... Uh, a thing called the Farmers' Union, which mm-hmm. was regularly in conflict, which actually tried to have a reduction in wages. Mm-hmm. And so all what I was, this is all history that was a kind of left aside as you tell a glorious story. Yeah. So what I wanted to say, what I really liked was that, first of all, history is very important, mm-hmm. but not just the history of constitutions and military history, but the history of how the people were living. Mm-hmm. And the best, to try and create to make that's why I decided look I'll run a series of seminars I'll invite people from different perspectives so I got people from different institutions places to teach mm-hmm. history different universities some from abroad and I looked at what the newer people were saying like for example people who were writing for the first time about the role of women mm-hmm. uh, about gender violence and mm-hmm. all of that so we that's that's how it all came to be. So we've I I I, I went on then from these concepts on to the question of empire. Mm-hmm. Then I moved on to the name about land and mm-hmm. class and exclusion. Then I moved on to really what were people writing mm-hmm. and how were they what was they imagining what was the attitude and I, and then I I come on to the present and I'm but I'm really now dealing with this this the period really of around 1923 that's my, my one and that's that final one that's going to be broadcast now so for me for me what what I why I enjoy history is it feels like practicing empathy through time yes and what I enjoy about history is what it can tell me now about myself and my place in society and one thing I would like to reflect on today is the greatest threat that's facing young people of Ireland today, aside from the climate, is housing. My listeners, they don't feel that uh, housing is a possibility. And uh, how I always think about it is, there's a great existential psychologist called Viktor Frankl. Oh yeah, Viktor Frankl, of course. They couldn't be reading anybody better. But I think, and one of the reasons I'm interested in talking to you as well, is that I think we have totally underestimated 
the degree of loneliness in our society. Uh, the, I think that what I mean about this, this what strikes the bow, the, what resonates, is in fact a, a desperate anxiety to connect, to be connected. It's a terrible feeling to be dis, the feeling of alienation, of loneliness, and all mm-hmm. of these kind of things. The importance is attached to being connected. And where I will talk to your, your point you put to me about housing is that uh, having sh- a safe shelter, having mm-hmm. home, having a home is a crucial part of being connected mm-hmm. to, your, to, the, to those with whom you have a physical relationship to, with those who are in your community and those in your society. And that, uh, my views on it are, I mean, I haven't changed my views enormously from my lifetime in politics. It was the great case, it was, this was a point that was acknowledged after the wars, in mm-hmm. Britain, for example, the people provided public housing yes. because, in fact, you had to do something for the people who had come home. Mm-hmm. And you also got what was a great monument to humanity, the British National Health Service. Absolutely. And therefore, when I think about it all, when I was in politics myself, I was elected to a local authority in 1974. I was twice a mayor of a city. And the state had a building agency and the state built houses, housing estates. And Mm -hmm. I saw those housing estates. We used to have housing estates of 200 and 300 and so on. Mm -hmm. Where I live at the end of, in Rahun, at the end of Circle Road in Galway, there are eight housing estates all around me. And there's a hard stand just up at the end of it, which is very successful as Mm -hmm. well. But the fact about it is, their children went to the to the university. They went on then to to, to the, as it was then the regional tech. Now the Gen the GMIT and you know, now it's mm-hmm. Atlantic University. But the fact is, uh, I it is uh, I, I I have to I don't I want to be careful about. I don't have to be careful except to say that people know that it has been my belief all my life that. It, there are certain things that the market can solve in mm-hmm. relation to making choices in consum- consumables. Mm-hmm. But there are certain things that are, should be beyond that the market. And yeah. these are met matters in relation to f- food, in relation to, to shelter, in relation to housing, uh, and in relation to, to education. There is a role for the state. Mm-hmm. And the, the best... P- possible uh, way out of it is the state building uh, um, uh, housing on state ground. The idea is that there's no point in trying to pretend that it doesn't change everything if you say that housing is to be a speculative activity. I've dealt with this elsewhere in some of my recent speeches where I say that, for example, in relation to the global hunger thing that I've been writing about recently, is you should, the idea in 2020, the, the stock market changed in the United States in the 2020 Act, it's an out grain to be a forward, a future, one part of the futures in mm-hmm. which people could speculate. The net result it had that nobody knows anymore how much is held in all of the different silos because mm-hmm. it would affect the price. Oh, God. So, what uh, where the future is, and I'm I'm eighty one now. But if the future was, if I was your age and other ages, the future has to be in accepting some form of version of universal basic services, mm-hmm. where people can say that we doing this uh, with ecological responsibility in relation to food, 
shelter, education. These basics are ones that must be accepted as ones that should not be at the mercy of speculative forces. And I think, in a way, this fits best with the other agendas in relation to climate have sustainability, mm-hmm. doing things differently. The, what I what I like about what our conversation, in a way, and I'm only a tiny, tiny part of all that you will do, but it's very important that we have a literacy on all of these issues. Mm-hmm. Economics should belong to the people. History belongs to the people. And you, you will not be able to survive and make changes unless you come to an, the effort to understand. And I think in the same way, I was at a thing in the relation to the seas recently, and someone knew the great phrase, his book about a literacy of the oceans, mm-hmm. the idea that the oceans don't belong to any one country, one state. Mm-hmm. But yet, in fact, they affect all of our lives. They're what connects us mm-hmm. and the, the 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 let me tell you the good news in a way is that when I was uh, making my speeches during a period of austerity, mm-hmm. there were economists coming from the right who were talking mm-hmm. about what was the inevitable and only single model of how it all works and things like that. They're now gone away and hiding in the bushes mm-hmm. because. It was disastrous. The mm-hmm. response didn't work. It's now regarded as uh, as bad economics. And so mm-hmm. there's a great economist who, from the old days, is Polanyi. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I found it like this in my random life, in a way. There was often one book I picked up that had continued to influence me for all of my life. Mm-hmm. And uh, like there's one right or another. I mentioned uh, uh, Hartmut Rosa, just the most recent. Uh, there's James Scott, whom I regularly uh, uh, quote. But you'll find that the, 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 the Thomas Merton, the theologian, once said, uh, there is a serendipity of books. Mm-hmm. The book will find you when you're ready. So there are individual people. That's the importance of reading. There will be some book, some book that will say, that you know yourself, right? It'll strike a chord with you. But that's why, so when I brought up Viktor Frankl, yes, the quote, so the, the, the reason I brought up Frankl is Frankl's famous, when he was an existential psychologist, was a human can put up with any how, so long as they have a why. Yeah. Now, one of the issues I'm finding with people in Ireland today is they feel that they no longer have a why. So the situation with housing in particular in Ireland and I don't think the housing crisis can be separated from the mental health crisis. No. Things are so dire that the average person is feeling the type of hopelessness whereby internal action for change is becoming difficult. And that's what has me concerned. It's hard to inspire people to want change when the general vibe is one of hopelessness. And one thing I'd like to ask you, especially in the context of Machnav, the Irish psyche around ownership of land, like historically we're a people who are used to having land taken away. And I see now that we've become a people who are very comfortable with hoarding. The housing crisis is a problem of hoarding, whether that be derelict property or whether that be allowing an investment funds to come in and, and hoard all that property. And I would like to see the people of Ireland go, no, this isn't good enough. This isn't good enough. We, 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 
like wh- wh- where 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 are our heads at with housing from a historical perspective and especially you as a, as a sociologist as well yes. what is the irish attitude to home and housing and what would you like to see change if anything i have in one of my books uh, some, uh, uh, an essay called home mm-hmm. in which i go into this in detail but let me take up the point first because it's very interesting and it's very uh, what i have to say is a bit provocative in a way uh, we lost a great deal when the emphasis became entirely on ownership mm-hmm. rather than usage. Mm-hmm. To give you an example about it all is, is that what happened as we were getting the land and the people after the I said 8 million people mm-hmm. in Ireland in, in 100 years, we were emptying the the, the, the country mm-hmm. but in addition to that as well, you were now getting instead of cultivation of land for food, before the famine, for example, life expectancy was short. Mm-hmm. People were attracted to each other. They got married very quickly. Mm-hmm. They threw up a, a, sh- a shanty thing against a corner of a field or whatever. Mm-hmm. Joe Lee described it, the fields giving way to families. And wow. then after the famine, when you have that great exodus as well, he refers to families giving way to fields. The emphasis becomes on ownership, mm-hmm. not on the usage of the land. And indeed, it's one of the significant differences. I, I address this slightly, I think, in the, in Machnaf 6, is in relation to the different view of the Fenians and some of the mm-hmm. later people. The Fenians still had an idea of how the issue is how to use the land properly mm-hmm. and so forth. But in fact, actually, the land was filled in with cattle. Yeah. The graziers were taking over from those who cultivated and so on. Mm-hmm. And now to come to a point then in relation to those, there is no, the, you need, uh, the, the con, you see, the, the, the language is in fact starting the discussion in relation to housing, moving up, getting one's toe on the property ladder, mm-hmm. moving up the property ladder, mm-hmm. all of this. What this, I think, does in, in a way create, it moves it away from what is a home? Now, when I wrote about home and things about it all, it is something into which you've poured intimacies. Mm -hmm. You see, it's a shared space of shelter and security. Mm -hmm. But there is something very much lesser when you people talking about properties walking yeah. to market yeah. as if they had an animus yeah. uh, themselves and well an anima themselves that they are in fact actually self-contenting it is in fact um there's a I, in my when in the piece I wrote I wrote about a French philosopher who who uh, uh, has spoke about it in terms of these intimacies. Uh, it was our, when a people call it when something make a thing home. Mm-hmm. It is in fact in something into which they have poured relationships. Mm-hmm. Then there is the other thing where you are right about its connection with mental health. Mm-hmm. It is. The safe space uh, that is home enables all of the senses to yes. be used. And that is very, very important. People haven't looked thought enough about it, in my view, about what has happened, let us say, during COVID, where you didn't have an opportunity of touching another person. The, the idea of touch and hear in all of the senses, and that is, these are all things that are very, very important. And would... Uh, I'm uh, 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 sometimes about my view as president. People say, you know, that uh, the president of a view. The president is never partisan. I'm not partisan. 
But I wouldn't be a, 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 an adequate precedent if I didn't, in fact, speak mm-hmm. like I have had to speak in relation to, say, about the importance uh, uh, of these issues. Um, the other part of it, and about doing the history and, 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 and doing a amount of as well, there's a huge difference between uh, in the way you debate things. If you debate mm-hmm. things about sufficiency, Mm-hmm. We're coming to that in relation to climate change Absolutely, and yeah. other things. We're coming to that in relation to what people eat and what people do and the responsibility. Sufficiency. Sufficiency leads to a kind of a civilization of simplicity in the mm-hmm. end. That's where Frankel would mm-hmm. in fact actually be relevant too. But if it is in fact the idea that if it's the on the other hand, it's open ended and it's insatiable. And it is a point when insatiability, when people would say in ordinary language, wouldn't you think he has enough? Capitalism doesn't have any, like capitalism is, is, everything is insatiable, everything is, there's no end. Well, you it keep, wouldn't, it wouldn't be an sufficiency origin. doesn't exist in capitalism. I think that it isn't, wouldn't be an original opinion with me either to say that I don't. The big, the debate is that it has, attempts have been made to transform it. The welfare state was an mm-hmm. attempt to try and correct its worst excesses. Uh, the idea of social economy, new movements in relation to social ecological responsibility are attempts and so forth. But it is, in fact, there is a, a driven hard core of irresponsibility mm-hmm. and about what it is. It is not a good economics, good ethics, good philosophy to allow the realm of what is unaccountable expand. Mm -hmm. The test in the end of the day, you know, in our time on this, uh, while we're alive and also for this, is how accountable we are. Uh, The worst systems are ones that uh, encourage passivity. Well, that's what's happening at the moment, Mr. President, is, is so people feel powerless to the point of passivity. They're wondering, what can I do? This entire system seems so unfair that I'm not sure what I can do. Well, I think that's what they they must. As I have said, they become literate on all the things that matter. Mm-hmm. In relation to the idea of the, one of the things where that that builds pa- on passivity is the notion that there is an expert opinion that yeah. only very few people can have access to. Mm-hmm. I can tell you, uh, as somebody who struggled to go to university, who was a university teacher, I taught several subjects at here and uh, and abroad, and the point. Uh, about it. That is the most important thing, is to empower people. There is absolutely nothing that cannot be understood if communicated properly. And I think then after that about it is that uh, uh, people become become activists and, and mm-hmm. they, they perform and join whoever they wish to try and bring about the changes. But it isn't about defeating other people. It's about getting a better system into place on mm-hmm. that basis. Um, I, I, I think every now and again, I get very depressed at, uh, at what we're where we're not succeeding. It was a, it's a disaster, for example, that mm-hmm. uh, we weren't able uh, to have an agreement on managing the oceans, mm-hmm. that where it's upon which so many many depends. I I have maybe one of the most radical ideas that recently recently I've I've written about 
uh, is, is, is what I, I, I try to stay away from it because it's so it's so dire, and that is that uh, uh, that a species failure. Yeah. If you take of all the living biodiversity uh, collapse. Yes. Yeah. I have that, that if you take about it, it's is that we had the the capacity we. I, I actually think you're, if, where Frankel is relevant now again here, mm-hmm. and that is the idea that you can split mind and spirit in two. That's mm-hmm. Rene Descartes. I call yeah. that the Cartesian fallacy. Yeah, and uh, and it is that because the thing is, if you're getting to where uh, Frankel is and happiness and so forth, and the level of balance. Uh, that is achieved between, for example, as I said, within the sufficiency of your being, within the freedom of your senses, which is very, 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 very important, mm-hmm. and also what you are able to, the, the, the freedom to, to share, the, the connectivity that you have, and so forth. These are the things that are in his work, as far as I as I'm concerned. And what, and what you're speaking about there is the, the relationship between human beings and our environment to, yeah. to not separate those two things, to be holistic. I think so. The, the whole question about it. Recently, I was doing uh, something in honour of Tim Robinson and in his work going round and looking at how did a place take on its name and whatever. It's the concept of wonder. Mm-hmm. I long, when I about 60 years, when I was starting out and very old, I wrote about what what happens in the case of learning when a child, for example, will hold a worm in the palm of its hand, mm-hmm. and an adult sometimes said oh, a worm or something yeah. like this. What? How does this destruction of wonder happen? And yeah, that's why the it, curiosity leaves, yeah. and all of a sudden, a worm a worm is no longer Threatening, something wonderful. Yeah, all of a sudden, it's yeah. dirty and squirmy and something yeah. that doesn't belong in your hand. Well, now in, in his book, Residence on Hartmut Rosa's book, I think in a minute he describes two people starting out for the day. And one person, it, de- it depends, this was meant by Residence, depend, or how are you facing the day? Mm-hmm. Are you facing the day with optimism? I'm going to see something, something and you're open to wonder and so forth. Mm-hmm. Are you facing the day with fear? Mm-hmm. Exactly, I think you're describing is no more than people are, for example, going mm-hmm. out and going out. What am I going to feed them this evening? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what if it's this much? Will I, will I be late for work if I go and do this? And so in many, many cases. That's uh, hypervigilance, Mr. President. Yes. So if, if we have a, a society, we'll say, who are anxious and hypervigilant about meeting their basic needs, yes. what gets lost there is the, the vitality and curio- curiosity and love of life. So if, I, if, if I'm worrying about paying my rent, I, I don't care about worms and I want to care about worms. I want to pick a worm up and look at how beautiful it is and go, oh my God, what a fantastic creature. Yes. It's so different to me. When I'm hypervigilant, I don't give a shit about worms. That's why the importance of social floors that's why the way to do it would be in relation to internationally for in, in is in relation to your basic basic services. Mm-hmm. It isn't only that, for example, what the test is as well, not only what enables you to survive, but what you have just described enables you to wonder. But mm-hmm. that's also to enable you to participate. Mm-hmm. And that's the definition of the citizenship mm-hmm. that we should be after. It wasn't this endless uh, in 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 Mark of six when I'm doing this in many many ways. 
I ask, uh, uh, what kind of administrative structures did we set up? And I tell mm -hmm. you what happens, not just in Ireland, but in many countries, when I call it coming out from under the rug of empire. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that people do in many cases is to be able to say, well, we're able to manage things just like they did. And yeah. what you get is something that I call me mimetic. Mm -hmm. rather, that is one of the most fascinating things in life, is to what extent, in fact, do we live by, what, by imitation mm -hmm. or how much is original and so forth. But you will find in many of these countries that after formal independence... They're anxious, in fact, actually, to show that they're able to dance the dance of the empire in mm -hmm. relation to administration. Mm -hmm. And that's why, uh, for example, when it was dealing with all of the, the pensions applications of those who had taken part in the, war of in the War of Independence, people, for example, had a concept of the deserving. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you because where where we're both born, we were both born in Limerick. Mm -hmm. um, my uncle, my uncle Peter, who, who joined the, was the National Army, went back to County Clare where he lived with his sisters. I would be there in that house as well. There was a sister who had, in fact, actually joined a nurse in the British Army in mm -hmm. Cairo and places like that. And when she came back, she became a district nurse in County Limerick, and she slated one room mm -hmm. the rest of the two were attached and that would later i had actually a very good few years of my life i think uh, between uh, the period of uh, five and twelve and then to some extent i remember all wonderful things about cattle and land and corn and everything like that and going occasionally with we would join up our family again my sisters were with us as well then but then illness took over and that was one of the things that was no sensitivity in the system and mm -hmm. that is the people who had been in dugouts and the people who had been in the flying columns as my mm -hmm. fa father my uncles had been uh, their health was very very much deteriorated yeah. but when uh, they, there was a, a kind of a partisan decision in relation to, to whom pensions were given. Women were excluded for a long mm -hmm. period and so there was no value on their contribution to the War of Independence. And we didn't that. get any history of women's contribution no, because they didn't get to apply for pensions. And that's one of the things that Machnev did. Mm -hmm. We put back in this, and we looked at the violence against women. Mm -hmm. So it's all there. So one, and the, there's a hardback version of Machnev's one, two, and three, and it's available free to the schools. Mm -hmm. so this is the other thing, and so will Machnev four, five, and six. But twenty-two years after his application, uh, my father is asked to come again for another interview mm -hmm. uh, to the guards barracks in William Street in Limerick mm -hmm. you know there is, or, you know it's up there at the top of William Street oh that's long gone that barracks which was a well, yes, but this was in the 1950s. Okay, yeah, yeah. So you see he dies in 1964. Mm -hmm. So he died 6 years later. Now what you were asked to do there was, you see, people still say, bring any of your witness statements. But half yeah. the people were dead. Yeah. They had emigrated. Yeah. The papers were lost. And yet 
these civil servants. And the idea of holding you being interviewed in the police station was yeah. a kind of an indication that you were capable of fraud. Mm-hmm. It was kind of frightened to you into telling mm-hmm. the truth. But all of this stuff was... Uh, 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 there are things that are going to... that are coming out in Mocknav, by the way, that people didn't realise. For example, as uh, I've said, you have 12,000 people in prison during the Civil War. You have also other people mm-hmm. who, are, who have been assassinated, who are good. There are people whose houses are burned. I mm-hmm. these are these are people who suffer too. A mm-hmm. huge number of people who were the senators. But I wish also I was able to say to you that it all ended. Uh, I don't believe that my 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 father, my and my uncle, ever fully restored their relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, Even on yourself, Mr. President, and, that, to have. Your father would say denied his pension to be interned. What was the trauma of that on you as an individual, as a child? Well, I remember my father coming to see me uh, uh, when I was in Clare. He would count the bus out to Newmarket and Fergus. He walked a mile and a half out to where we were. And I said I'd walk home with him and uh, he had nothing to give. He took a badge that he had in his jacket from uh, from uh, from when he had got married and he gave me that as a token. I lost it afterwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, sadly, but the, the, the movement from... Uh, I think there's my family. The, the the mistake that my mother probably made was is that she, everything would have been better if they had stayed in their house in Ratban. They mm-hmm. made an attempt uh, to come out the country so that after my aunt dying, so that we would all be together again. But it wasn't successful. And uh, must remember that, that there is no glory in in in, in 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 some of what was achieved. Mm-hmm. Uh, I uh, uh, had an education. My brother then, after two years, I was a boarder, and then I after three years for my brother and I cycled eight and a half miles every day to to secondary school. Uh, my my sisters. Uh, never got that. One of them went to, for to become a very, very highly skilled typist and whatever. I remember we didn't have the uh, um, the, the fare to, to. We didn't have the the, the managed giver to take up her job that she had been offered in London. So they emigrated at uh, twenty years of age. Half my family is in England. I began working mm-hmm. in in cafeterias in Manchester, and so. They they would. I missed them. Mm-hmm. We, I missed uh, some many of these intimacies, and then as the, my uncle was my uncle was sixty when I went to live with them at the age of five, and everything was fine until his health collapsed, mm-hmm. and then my aunt died of a heart attack, and at that stage everything kind of becomes uh, shambolic. But that's not really what I'm. I'm just. But why do I say this? I want to say something to about about that. The reason I, I people often ask me, will I write about all of that? Who knows? I think I will, maybe. But it's my poems I write. It's I don't want to write at a, a kind of a, a, a distance from it. Yeah. Uh, and the other side of it is I have a reason why I would, and, and that is this: is that it's. There were times when I, 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 at uh, 19 years of age, I'm a grade 8 clerk earning £6.14 mm-hmm. a twopence a week in Lynn Galway. I'm paying £3.10 for Dick's. My father is in the, in uh, dying in the, 
uh, in the, the community hospital in in uh, in Innes, uh, and uh, I'm hitching a lift down. I've written about it in my poem. I think mm-hmm. uh, betrayal. But then I go back, and there were times when I would hit my head off the wall and look, where is this all going on? Where am I mm-hmm. going? With all of this. And then I was writing, and then uh, I got a loan of £200, and then I went to England, and then I went to university, and then I got finished. I got scholarships and uh, so forth, and then I went to the United States and the, the rest of it. And one of the reasons I went into politics... Mm-hmm. was to say that a couple of things far beyond myself is that housing shouldn't be like this. My mm-hmm. mother spent all of her life in 10 different addresses in Limerick as we were going downhill mm-hmm. in relation going from one flat to another, flats in four or five different places. I mean, housing shouldn't be like this. Education shouldn't be difficult. Mm-hmm. And insecurities in relation to. And what I'd say I missed the price I paid hardest in, in my life uh, is the absence of connections as it grew into into the areas you 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 know I know what it is for example about it even very very early on of not having a place to which you could invite anybody because there were holes in the roof and things like that and that's the reason I would probably write the thing only would be to give encouragement to hope and to say that people should go into uh, should should not just go into academic life and, and be successful, but should actually be on the street with the public mm-hmm. uh, version of life. And and that was very, very, very important to me. I have no regrets. I do remember, it was a very, very something. Uh, there's actually something I saw in Bono's book mm-hmm. uh, in, a, in a way that I admired in it very, very much. You spend a lot of your time after what I've just most just described there now, mm-hmm. looking for families, mm-hmm. and uh, I was taken in by different friendships. It also meant that friendships were very, very much more important to me, mm-hmm. intimate friendships, and they are very important. And the other side of it then is, is that affected really? That's what has decided the kind of politics. <laughs> politics I have been offering for, for a long time. And that's maybe maybe about what I would like to think. Uh, there is a certain kind of person with a background I have described well, that's, as president of Ireland now. And that's very different to maybe other people's journeys to this office. But I'll tell you one thing about what you just shared there, which really struck with me, um, was... So you described there something that got you into politics was the the lived experience of having to move around the place as a child, insecurity, lack of uh, connection with people because of a precarious housing situation. How does it make you feel today in 2022 that this thing that motivated you to get into the politics is what people in, in direct provision and people in uh, emergency accommodation have, are experiencing because people who live in emergency accommodation, which is one of the consequences yeah. of the housing crisis, these people have to live in hotel rooms and they have to raise kids and they have to wash all their clothes in a sink. They don't have anything that we could describe as a home. And the whole thing has been presented as a solution for homelessness, but it's not. It's a way for... Private corporations to profit. Of course, it is. It isn't a solution. And the other thing, which I think is mistakes, 
uh, and I think it's a mistake that people should have seen earlier. I probably should have seen it myself early on. And that is, uh, this one wouldn't go down well at all with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. The suggestion that, uh, uh, you know, about uh, tenant purchase. Mm -hmm. But people need their homes to live in. Mm -hmm. And they should have always, we should have kept a national housing stock. Mm -hmm. What you need in a way is you need in fact to have the experience of a home in a house mm -hmm. but it isn't as essential to own it. But we Absolutely. began actually, there's another side to this as well where the notion of what it was is that you could actually accommodate a kind of a gentrification mm -hmm. and that is, is that the good people would be moving out and you'd be just left with the hopeless cases and yeah. so forth. And there was a lot in that philosophy that was behind that. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, it was wrong. But yeah. That That's why, let's look at the positives about it all now. And that is, is that having achieved independence and having had such a long run since 1923 and all of the rest of it, we still have actually to do what is actually the better version. And the better version was there in the democratic programme of the first thought. How were you informed as president, as someone who was first and foremost an artist and a poet? Well, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm first and foremost. What I see in the when I, where the way the poetry worked for me is that I see it as a distillation. Mm -hmm. uh, the one thing about about composition and like that, there's nothing redundant and there's nothing unnecessary, mm -hmm. but something will strike in that and mm -hmm. one has that. And even when I'm now so distracted with so many, so many other things are demanding my time and whatever, I would occasionally keep a, an image notebook mm -hmm. and therefore then I would go back. And and that's the way memory works. And I actually could, I could re repeople that again. Maybe sometime that time will come. I I. I and when you mean an, an image notebook, I, is that like a little mood board or these images that resonate with you? Yeah. I did, yeah. I, I, I remember I was on the road. To, uh, I had owed eight gigs to, to Mary MacPartland. Mm -hmm. So we did uh, we did p p p p places around. Mm -hmm. And when Mary died, I wrote a poem for Mary MacPartland about, uh, uh, which had a kind of an enigmatic name of Saturdays Made Holy. Mm -hmm. And it was about uh, all of us uh, getting banners ready to go out for the Saturday performance and then folding them up and so forth and all mm -hmm. of the feelings. Mm -hmm and so forth and I, 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 I enjoyed that in fact the truth is is that uh, Sabina and I and uh, we're 47 years now we were about 50 years together but the point mm -hmm. is, is Sabina took on a, a person who had been through a lot and the rest mm -hmm. of it but also at the same time a person who was in very we were both very public people mm -hmm. we don't regret that at all I, I kind of get very sad sometimes when, when I see uh, old comrades and friends uh, 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 have died or something mm -hmm. and that. But, mm -hmm. and remember about it is all this great humour. There was great, there's humour too. Humour is so, so, so essential because Absolutely. you can actually look at what appears to be implacable and have a good laugh at it because of the absurdity of its defining itself as an essential. What I find about humour and it being so important is humour cuts through solemnity and when something yes, is too yeah. solemn yeah. solemnity can cut off through human emotion. Like when you're at a funeral and 
Yes. You're not allowed to hug people. Instead, you have to say sorry for your troubles. This real solemn act. Well, you should always remember as well, in many cases, is that before words at all, that wonderful Irish tradition of keening, uh, which is a sound drawn up from What's that the now? depths of sorrow, uh, is so... Is it a song? Yes, this is the keening where you're kind of... In fact, actually, it would be in the old days, in many cases, in the Gaeltacht, um, there would be... Uh, while every woman would would have been... Uh, uh, Angela Burke is... Angela is, uh, is it the, one of the best theorists on this. But... Uh, while, while women would be expected to shake, this is its wow. preferable, but you would produce a sound. Wow. And there would be somebody who might, in fact, be, uh, 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 it would be expected that, that, that a person would be keened properly. And is it an, an expression it, of grief that isn't to do with words? It's, it's pure guttural emotion. Oh, yes, it's, out of the, it's the sound that comes out. Later, wow. people, in fact, actually using their own versions of it, will be verbalising it. Uh, wow. Uh, um, Angela uh, Burke, isn't it? Is, I think, is the person that I, I think of who has written beautifully. She's in Machn of Six. Mm-hmm. So the best description... In fact, of the importance of keening. And for example, That's she, beautiful. They like letters. she makes reference to the when, when I was up in Donegal at the funerals uh, uh, recently. And that's, that's healthy. Mm-hmm. There's, there, there's people it's are, congruent uh, grief. Yes, and people, the, 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 the other thing, you, you know, uh, uh, in relation to, to loves and love and intimacy as well, there is this. Um, people are often having beautiful silent moments mm-hmm. and things like that when it mm-hmm. is in fact their proximity that is is something that is for them uh, transcendent and assuring. Mm-hmm. But this, this is why uh, um, people shouldn't think that, that uh, you know, spirituality is something that is much wider than, mm-hmm. uh, um, than, than piosity. Uh, mm-hmm. I have the deepest respect because you have to remember as well there are people who have had nothing else but their prayers mm-hmm. to keep going mm-hmm. and I, I very much respect that and, and that's right. But they, 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 this is why I think uh, beyond it all, and uh, there is a better life to be created, and it'll meet mm-hmm. all. And one, I think that when it's filled with that kind of generosity of purpose and spirit and cooperation, it's one that will solve those problems that you are mentioning, because they shouldn't be problems. We should just actually have a, a surplus of houses. Well, in fact, actually, so, <laughs> yes. that you had, so that you had ones that were that are available to be filled Absolutely. for emergencies. And that is possible. And yeah. it is possible for for, uh, for that to come to be in the future. Mm-hmm. I hope it does. As do I. Um, thank you so much, Mr. President, for, for appearing on this podcast and for giving me your time. It was an absolute pleasure to speak to you. Not at all. I so wish you well in that. And when you think about it, there we are now, two limited people again. Yeah. Having a chat. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you. So that was my chat with the President of Ireland, Michael D. Higgins, something I never thought that I would say on this podcast. If you'd like to check out Machnav 100, especially the final seminar. It's going to be on the RTE player this Thursday, the 17th of November, and it's titled Memory, History and Imagination. And all the rest of the Machnavs, they're on YouTube, I believe. 
and just look up type Machnav 100 into Google and you can find out all the information about this project that the president wants to come onto this podcast and speak about. Alright, I'll catch you next week. Possibly with a hot take, hopefully with a hot take because I'm over in Brussels for three days. Um, I'll chat, chat to you next week. In the meantime, mind yourselves, rub a dog, wink at a swan, blow a kiss to a crow. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. Mm. 